Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two games into the season and almost a week since Man United's last game and the reaction to a dismal 3-1 loss against Brighton away from home is yet to die down. Mistakes, sloppiness and frustration summed up a performance that in itself sums up Manchester United in the, in the last half a decade or so. We're discussing that in Series 4, Episode 4, as well as talking Jose Mourinho in depth and his United future. Paul Pogba, Mina Reala and giving you our regular extensive youth and loan roundup before previewing Monday night's Tottenham game. Jack, it was uh, it's another kind of example where everyone is allowed a bad day in football, even the top teams, even City, United, Liverpool, etc. But you came away from from the Amex or watching it on the on the TV and thought United have bigger problems than just a bad day. And there doesn't seem to be a solution. It was it was carrying on last season where we lost to Huddersfield Town away from home two one. We lost to Newcastle United at St James's Park. We lost to Brighton again, and then we dropped points at home uh, against West Brom, Stoke, and Southampton. It was that carrying on. Yeah, Harry, totally agree, mate. It was awful, awful performance. Like you said, every team has a bad day. You know, there's nothing nothing you can do about that sometimes, but. It was just the nature of the performance was so similar to last season. Nothing seems to have changed from the bad games that we saw. It was just completely <clears throat> completely lacking in any sort of team cohesion or any sort of attacking ideas, really. The two goals that we did score were obviously a penalty and then a very lucky goal from a corner. And for the majority of the second half, we never even looked like coming back into the game. We never really created... I can can remember a single clear-cut chance in the second half where you thought, yeah, we definitely should have scored there and we were unlucky not to come back because we won. And every every team has a bad day. And not and not every time you have a bad day, you're able to grind out a good result from it. But the problem is that nothing seems to be changing at the club. We said that after the Leicester game as well, even though we did get a good result out of that game, the performance was so similar to last season. And despite all the optimism around the, <coughs> around the lineup before the game, yet again we saw an away performance where we failed to dominate the game, we failed to create chances, and this time, as opposed to some of the away games last season, we actually got punished by credit to Brighton, a very, very good Brighton performance, but one where we were totally off the boil, were completely outplayed and totally deserved to lose. 
yeah, they effectively just capitalised on all the individual errors that, that came from United. And I guess, I think the more disappointing performance was probably the second half. The first half was was made up of individual mistakes where face palm kind of mistakes, like the, the late tackle from Eric Bailly when it was completely unnecessary for the third goal when United were getting back into the game. And we'll talk more specifically about the individual mistakes in a second, but the second half is probably even worse for United fan. It is quite difficult to to think back to a, a more pathetic effort to, to get back into a, a game as a United team. There was no, I'm not going to say there was no desire, there probably was, but the, Pogba came out after and said the attitude was wrong, the intensity was wrong, that the, there seemed to be no plan. It was go and score and then bring Fellaini on to go and score. There was no, the problem with United is you never have the, because there's no set tactic, no set style of play, no identity from Mourinho and from the team in terms of attacking, when you're down, particularly 3-1 down, which is a big margin to, to recover from, it's kind of plodding away, hoping, waiting for chances to kind of present themselves from the game. Whereas every other team in the top six is proactive in, in making chances themselves, in forcing them out of the game, dragging them out. Whereas United wait for an opportunity to present itself and then sometimes capitalise on it. And that's the kind of attitude of, of a smaller team, one that isn't going to be dominating the game. And realistically, we will be dominating the game against most teams, even though Mourinho would like to have us counter-attacking. The second half, we had 71.8% of possession, and yet we had one shot on target, apart from the, the penalty, which was Paul Popper's shot that Matt Ryan saved pretty easily. And that was... That was what was so disappointing. There was just no reaction in the second half at all. Yeah, it it was so... I can't even think of a word to describe what it was like watching that second half when it was so obvious that we needed to get back into the game. And the players, did work, their attitude wasn't the best, like Pogba said, but there did seem to be a genuine desire to want to get back into the game. I'm not going to sit here and say you know, there was no desire, they didn't, give it, they didn't care about the game. Because I think they did. There was just a lack, total lack of ideas and lack of creativity. And even I was thinking back to last season when we went three-one down, and the and and when we were two-nil down to the Crystal Palace game, and even in that game where we obviously did come back and we we praised United and everyone praised United and rightly so for what was a very very good comeback in about forty minutes. But even in that game, you look at what we created and it wasn't actually that much. The three goals that we scored, if I think I've got them all correct in my head, it was a smalling header from a corner or a free kick. I can't remember which one. The A Lukaku sort of rebound from about three shots beforehand. And then obviously the Matic screamer. And realistically, yeah. none of those goals came from us really carving Palace open and creating great chances. It was a corner, a rebound and a, and a wonder strike from 30 yards out. That's not us completely creating so many great chances. That's us really getting quite lucky and scoring from three quite opportunistic moments that really we didn't create enough to warrant us coming back from a two-goal deficit. It was just that we were able to in that game and we got quite lucky in the end. And it was exactly the same against Last Brighton. season United created, I think it was almost 100 less chances than the other teams in the top six. And you think, why did we score less yeah. goals than them? Is because we're waiting for for good chances to come and present themselves, and for someone like Lukaku, and very occasionally you get brilliant chances that United create, and sometimes there is some some great football that Mourinho's United play, but it's rare, and it depends on the other team making mistakes, leaving space open, and and being vulnerable. 
Having said that, though, I will say, I was speaking to some friends about this after the game. Uh, it was actually, I showed them your tweet, Harry, when you said that about Fellaini coming on and how United seems to have absolutely no identity and it almost seems like you, you can't tell what United have been working on in training the week before from watching them play. And even though I totally agree with that, and I think Mourinho has a lot to answer for for this game, I was saying this to my friends, that even if those 11 players had never, ever played with each other before, if you put them on a pitch having never played together before, I would still expect them to play better than that. And so I, even though I think the coaching has a lot to do with it, the players, the buck stops with them as well. And I actually liked what Pogba said after the game, even though it's not what you want to hear from from your captain, obviously, but we could all see that there was an attitude problem in the team. That was clear. Like It had already happened. We already knew that it was there. And it was refreshing to at least see the player come out after the game and admit that they were wrong and that their attitude was wrong rather than try and pass it off onto someone else. It was good to see him actually come out and put the blame on himself and the rest of the team. It's not like we all we all didn't think there was an attitude problem to begin with. We'd already seen that. So it was good to see him at yeah. least admit it and try and front up about it. Yeah, it's, so I think it's, it's good that he admitted it, but... At the same time, honesty for doing something that for having the wrong attitude is is remains unforgivable, and you just think, I yeah. mean, so, someone showed it um, after the the Leicester game. Pogba tweeted something like, "I'll always give my best for the team," and then he comes out after the Brighton game and says, "Oh, my attitude wasn't right," and you think, "Well, I mean, that is the the classic. He is the perfect person as a as a sponsor or as Man United's commercial department." because he always says the right things on his his agent on the other hand doesn't but we'll go on to him later but going back to the the individual errors I guess what we we're going to have to see over the next few weeks is whether the individual errors are from from bad players who are lacking confidence in which case if they're lacking confidence what is Marino going to do about it or whether they're because we are a team who have no leader in it no direction no identity no cohesion and it's a group of very talented players who don't really know what they're meant to do with each other. And our plan A is, you know, we always go on about how Fellaini is our plan B, but no one really knows what United's plan A is. It, it just seems no, to... I can't tell you what our plan A is. It's, it's just trying to score and trying to win the game. There's no... Where City... In fact, let's leave City because everyone everyone knows that City are a level above, but... Even you look at Spurs, there is a there's a way they try to break down the teams in front of them and that persistence will eventually create chances and sometimes they don't get the results they want because Spurs aren't the best team in the league. But we have better players. You think with an actual system, an actual way of playing, eventually you will get those chances with some persistence. But United instead have 45 minutes in the second half, 72% of possession, but can only have one shot on target other than a penalty in added time. And that top shot on target was a 20-yard, very speculative effort from Pogba as well. It's not yeah, even like because we... because he was bored. Yeah, exactly. It's not even like we carved uh, Brighton open and created a really good chance that we just missed. That, like, if, that, if that had gone in, you'd say it was not a lucky goal, but it wasn't one that you'd expect to go in, put it that way. And, and that's yeah. the, the exact problem. Like you said, we don't... I, can, I couldn't tell you what our plan A is. Every City fan who, or, or as you said, maybe not City because there's a bad example. Even let's let's take, say Liverpool. We're at a pretty similar level, I would say, in terms of players to Liverpool. Every single game Liverpool play, Liverpool fans know what to expect from their team in terms of the way they're going to try and play. That's not to say it's going to work every game. They still have their ups and downs, but they know roughly what they're going to get. I have absolutely no idea which Man United is going to turn up from week to week. 
I don't know if we're going to be the team that we were in the second half against Man City at the Etihad last season, where we look like we could be the best team in the league. Or I don't know if we're going to be the sort of team we are at Leicester, where we'll play okay, not very entertaining, but maybe still grind out a result. Or if we're going to be like we were against Brighton and not be able to create a chance in 90 minutes, have individual errors all over the shop and lose a game that we should never be losing. There's absolutely no way of knowing it. It's not just that, oh, one day we don't turn up, one day we do. It's the style of play completely changes. And like I said, that is on Mourinho because ultimately the coach is the one that determines the style of play. But it is also yeah. on the players because it, it, th- these players, they're not bad players. All right, sure, we might not have the best team, the best squad in the league, but we have very good players who I expect more from, even if they'd had no coaching for the last month. You know, they're still very good players and they should still be able to perform better than they have done. And they should still have, I guess, their own individual identities in some way. And it's not like our, our lineup changes every single week. Sure, there are some positions that's, that change around a lot, but there is a core to our team who know they're going to be playing every single week. And yet there seems to be no cohesion between them at the moment. It's, it's ridiculous to see a group of players who seem to be so disjointed. Yeah, I, th- I think that one of the good quotes that summed it up was um, New Brighton signing Leon Balogun, who said he was shocked by how slow United started the game. And uh, yeah. I don't really think that was the case for, for most United fans. It's kind of come to be expected away from home. Um, but but going, Mourinho, back to the, um, going back to the individual errors, I actually hope that both Bayer and Lindelof stay in the lineup for the next game. And People might be surprised at me saying that, but at the end of the day, they both obviously after that game are going to be very, very low in confidence. And the only way to get that back is for Mourinho to show that he still has faith in them and to prove that by keeping them in the lineup. Yes, they had a bad game, but that was after they both played very well against Leicester, after they both played pretty well during pre-season. And when the alternatives are Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, who yeah. are two centre-backs who are even more mistake-prone than Bailly and Lindelof, this, that's not even me saying that as someone who dislikes Jones this morning. From an objective standpoint, they both make a lot of mistakes. And if we're trying to get rid of mistakes, we need to form a centre-back partnership that is going to be our regular partnership, not one that gets changed every single time a centre-back makes a mistake. Obviously, if this goes on for two or three games in a row, then then you think about changing it. But one game, I don't think is enough. Yeah, in the last seven Premier League games, United have started six different centre-back pairings, three different right-backs and two different left-backs. And I'm guessing the only games where there was the same partnership are the last two games. Uh, yeah, I would think so. But even then, we've changed the right-back from, from Darmian to Young. And yeah. That was the sad thing about watching the Brighton game was you thought these are supposedly our best two defenders. Um, but, but going back to Mourinho and how it, it's his responsibility, the, the, the worrying thing is is the, the structure of United's squad at the moment, it kind of it shows itself to be needing a manager who's a risk taker who will rely on their attackers to score more than the opponent. But obviously Mourinho is is, is the, the complete opposite to that. And, and the other problem is, is that Unlike his Porto team that won the Champions League, unlike the Chelsea team where he was a special one, and then the Inter side who won the treble, and then the Real Madrid side who were amazing to watch at times, they were all they all drilled and they all knew what they were doing, and together they were they were more than the sum of their parts. Even though the sum of their parts was many many millions, whereas at United we are so so less than the sum of our parts, and he never even finished a three-season period at any of those clubs and yet we are 
two seasons and a summer transfer window in and yet we look far worse than any of those teams ever did under Mourinho and far less even if we weren't looking great in terms of quality you'd hope there was come some kind of structure to the United side but we're not seeing that and 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 as we look as we got progressively worse in the first half Mourinho had no, had no solution half time no solution wasn't working we went to Fellaini not really a solution even though he did eventually win us a penalty in added time and that now because United aren't the the idea that United aren't to be feared is just continuing and continuing bigger sides will batter us and smaller sides will take us on and teams that take us on will will cause mistakes from our defence and that's that's what we get there's no fear factor and there's no solution no there's no fear factor at all you know, speaking to or not obviously personally speaking to them, but you know, when players, old players have been spoken to in interviews, they all talk about how there was an aura of invincibility around United during the Ferguson era where teams played United, especially at Old Trafford. It was almost a foregone conclusion they were going to lose. And they went in with that mindset. And that's just completely gone now. And, and obviously, there's only one way to get that back, which is by beating these teams consistently all the time and proving that games like this one against Brighton are not going to come around. That's what City have at the moment. Any team that goes to the Etihad or plays City knows that it's very, very unlikely they're going to be able to win that game. And they go in with that mindset. It's why you see teams like Newcastle put in a performance like they did against City last season, where even once they go a goal down, they just sit back and sit back and sit back and sit back. Because it's better for them to lose 2-0 than 6-0, which is the alternative. Whereas with us, teams go into the game and think, we could sit back and maybe draw 0-0 or maybe lose 1-0 or we could go for it and win 3-1 or win 3-2 or win 1-0 or whatever the scoreline might be. And sure, people might say, oh, well, you know, that's not Mourinho's fault. That was there before Mourinho. That, it, that's true. It started pretty much as soon as Ferguson left. But the way that you get that aura back is just by beating these teams and punishing them for a lack of quality, which they do have in comparison to us. And you're so right about being less than the sum of our parts. Because as I as I said already, I would put our squad probably as the second or third best in the league. Definitely behind City and maybe just ahead, maybe on par, maybe just behind Liverpool. That That is the level that we're at. And yet our performances are not at that level at all. And definitely not consistently. We might have a game or half a game where we look as good as Liverpool and at times nearly as good as City. But I don't remember us even producing that over two or three games since the very, very start of last season. That was it. And I spoke on the, on an episode of this recently that at least last season, or the first two seasons under Mourinho, to be fair, it's felt like there's been progress. We're building towards something. And all of a sudden in the last three weeks, I would say, with the end of preseason, the bad end of the transfer window, and now a poor performance against Leicester, an awful performance and an awful result against Brighton, it feels like all of that progress has stopped and it almost feels like we're stuck at this level now where we're just seeing the same mistakes, the same issues with the same people involved all of the time. Stuck at the Arsenal level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, it feeling like Arsenal. It just feel, it feels like we're repeating ourselves over and over again. That, And when I say the same people, I don't even necessarily mean the players. I mean... It's M- Mourinho saying the same things. It's Woodward saying and doing the same things all of the time, you know. And it it just feels like we're completely stalled at the moment. It needs a spark from somewhere to change things. And I don't know where it's going to come from. 
Now, Jack and I are both on holiday, so we couldn't quite manage to do a full episode together, but it would be wrong to record this week and not talk about two issues. First, Edward Wood, and also, secondly, Mina Rayola and Paul Pogba and various tweets um, which have got in the way of, not got in the way, contributed, added to, exaggerated, uh, a problem that's already there and a negative week for United. Firstly, on, uh, on Woodward, if you look at, Mourinho and we said a couple of minutes ago about how Mourinho has to do more uh, he has no solutions to, to the problems that are at United and he's not giving any confidence to the players but at the same time he, he spent the summer complaining basically being being noticeably frustrated in order to push Woodward and the Glazers to sanction his moves he said he wanted someone in defence particularly and on the right wing got no one and we go 3-0 down or 2-0 down and then 3-1 down in the second game and it's basically vindication for everyone who said either sack Mourinho or back him. And it, it's what we said in our in our pre-season um, podcast that Mourinho of all managers is one of those who you really have to make a decision. Do you back him and give him the money and give him the tools to create a treble winning side, a Premier League winning side, a La Liga winning side, etc. Or you get rid of him because... The kind of halfway there approach clearly isn't working. Everyone it's, it's obvious to anyone who knows Mourinho and knows Man United as well in the current situation at the club that it's not going to work. Particularly when he spends all summer being frustrated, says he needs more centre-backs. His centre-backs then, who he currently has and now has to play because he hasn't brought in anyone new, are going to be low on confidence as, as we saw from Bayern and Lindelof. But the, the, the most concerning thing about that is that Edward Woods decided in January to give Mourinho a two-year contract extension and then decided six months later in, in June and July and the start of August that he knew better than him in the transfer window. And Mourinho, Mourinho said he gave him a list of five targets in defence and yet Woodward supposedly has briefed Guardian journalists and ESPN and Independent, various others, and said... No, Maguire was too expensive. Uh, Yeremina was too much, given he was 11 million a few months ago. Uh, Toby Alderweireld was too old at 29, and it's the idea that he's basically committed to the to the Jose way, and then decided he he doesn't like it, and that is uh, is indicative of, of how there's no long term planning at United at all. There is on the commercial side of things. Obviously, I'll mention something about that in a second, but. On, on the football side of things, nothing is long-term. Even January to June, Woodward kind of seems to back down on what he's already chosen. Perhaps Mourinho said something, done something, or perhaps he's not been impressed with United not winning in the FA Cup final. But it's that kind of short-termism that, that will see United continue to, to be in this Arsenal-style rut. And a story that broke the other day was that Mourinho had, had privately told someone that any other job at any other club, and he probably he would have quit by now which shows how frustrated he is, but also shows that Mourinho is, is committed to at least trying to, to improve his and the club's situation. And someone taking on the Glazers and taking on Ed Woodward and, and demanding that they show more ambition is, is only a good thing, although the way Mourinho does it is probably not. And I'll talk about Pogba and Raul in a second, but I think the bigger issue is is actually Ed Woodward and not even just his future actions, but what he's done so far is that one person was uh, was Javier Rebolta. Um He came in as I think his official role was was technical director, and he left this summer after six months or maybe a year at the club to become director of football at Zenit Saint Petersburg. And the idea that someone like Rebolta, who was who was quite high up in other clubs, would leave after such a short period at United 
to go and take a job in St. Petersburg in Russia. It, it's Everyone can see that it's it's not as good of a job unless he has no role at United because Woodward is, is so insistent on doing everything and he's not given the freedom. But really, Rebolte, if if United and Woodward were committed to some kind of long-term project and, and um, diluting the responsibility a bit, which generally works in football clubs in terms of long-term, then Rebolta would have been promoted, not allowed to leave the club and, and go to Zenit. There's a lot of talk about who would replace Mourinho if he, if he were to go, and there's been some links to Zinedine to Dan. Obviously, three Champions Leagues in a row at Real Madrid. Wasn't even there for full three seasons. And I, I, I won't really comment on Zidane as a manager, but it's, it's the idea that Zidane would almost certainly come in and decide he needs to completely redo half the squad in the same way that Louis van Gaal did, the same way that David Moyes did, in the same way that Mourinho has done. And for a top club, it's not not sustainable at all. For someone like Southampton, it is possible to get rid of half your squad, sell them on, and obviously for them it's usually a higher fee than what they bought them for, and bring in more players. But when you've got players like Bastian Schweinsteig, Robin Van Persie, Raphael, Kagua, Nani, who you want to sell, it's very hard for a top club like Man United to sell those players because if they're selling them, everyone who's buying them knows that United want to sell. They're, they're actively trying to. This summer, same with Darmian and Daily Blind. So people offer lower transfer fees, partly because United pay them so much. And those high salaries are going to make it very hard for United to, to reshape a squad very quickly, um, which Mourinho has, has obviously struggled with. But we still have Chris Morning, Phil Jones, Marcus Rojo, Matteo Darmian. Um, we managed to get rid of Schneiderlin, Memphis, but there, there are players who United just haven't been able to sell. Uh, and that's a key issue. But then, at the same time, another story this week after United lost to Brighton was that uh, the club's shares managed to go over the $24 mark to set a record high, and that is why, in the, the battle of Woodward versus Mourinho, Woodward will always come out on top by in terms of the judgment of the Glazer family who who make the, the final decision between the two. Um, but United really do need to to catch up with City, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, Arsenal are, are in a similar situation, but particularly the, the the Spurs as well. Four of the top five clubs are, are demonstrating how it's done to United and United are, are on their heels and are not doing anything. And to be honest, United have kind of had the managers and the outcomes that they deserve at the moment, given the, the lack of strategic thinking, the lack of, uh, or the, the, the excessive focus on the commercial side in sacrificing the the football team from actually winning something. Um, and United have won trophies, but if it carries on like this, it could be a, a very stale period, um, sort of scattered about with, with a couple of lucky trophies here and there. And then the other key issue, of course, Paul Pogba and Mino Raiola. Um, firstly, on Pogba's performance against Brighton, it was, it was a game where Pogba didn't do anything noticeably terrible although some of his passes were, were were short or long or stupid um but he he just had very little impact on the game and uh, the, the, the frustrating thing is he did start the game um two or three minutes in he whipped the ball out quickly one touch whipped it out to Anthony Martial straight away and he thought that is exactly 
what we need to what we need to see because United lack width and when when United do have width it's it's a very laborious process it's past the Pogba past the Matic past the Fred etc etc eventually gets out to one of Shaw Martial Rashford whoever's playing on that left hand side and by the time it's got out to the flank the, the opposition defence has recovered and that three minutes in it was Pogba snapping out to Martial and Martial could take on his man and we we made a half chance straight away so you thought, ah, oh, this is another good good display from Paul Pogba. We, we might have a good win here. And yet, very quickly, it became Pogba looking around at his teammates saying, what are you doing? You're not giving me any opportunities to pass. And that's not, that's not me excusing Pogba's performance. He he also constantly looked for the, the Wayne Rooney Hollywood, Hollywood ball diagonal over the top, uh, feeding it through. And, and like, um, I think I think what we need to see from the whole team as well as but more specifically, Pogba is taking things back to basics and doing the, the basic things very right, slowly building up confidence. And uh, and then Mina Raoli's agent comes out after. Paul Scholes has questioned Pogba's leadership because Pogba comes out after the game, says his attitude wasn't good enough. And rightly so, Paul Scholes criticises that. Um, yes, honesty is good, but honesty about having the wrong attitude as captain of Man United is is still inexcusable. Uh, Skulls criticises him, says he's, he's not the leader that we thought he could be. And Mina Rella tweets, some people need to talk for fear of being forgotten. Paul Skulls wouldn't recognise the leader if he was in front of Sir Winston Churchill. Paul Skulls should become sports director and advise Woodward to sell Pogba. Would be sleepless nights to find Pogba a new club. Um, I mean, it's, it's Mina Rella through and through. Uh, if someone, someone had tweeted that about a, a nameless player, you would be able to guess. It was Mina Rowler. Here's the the man. And I saw um, it was, it was a good point made by someone. I can't remember who it was. That and, and the important thing to realise is that for for Mina Rowler, Pogba leaving United is is a would be a great thing. He made forty million pounds from the deal to bring uh, Pogba back to United from Juventus. Some money coming from United, some money coming from Juventus, and some coming from Pogba, and some coming from from his contract involved in Pogba's. Pogba's contract as a signing on fee. Pogba going to Barcelona and Real would make another would make tens of millions again probably. Um, so I think people need to realise that is that is the 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 cancer of Mina Real on your football club. Um, so it's it, I'm glad that other players. I think Lukaku was on uh, Real's books as well. Have have left Real and now I think it's only only Pogba who's who's being managed by Real. But he really is a a cancer on on both the player and the club. But there we go. there's not much else to say about. It. I think Pogba should in a in a in an ideal world Pogba would come out and condemn what his agent said. But it's his agent and th- th- there's no hope of doing that. And logically, it wouldn't make sense for Pogba either. But the the, the nicest thing would be for Pogba to to leave his agent. But also, I can't see that happening. Now, on the youth side of things, Ricky Sprague's under-23 side secured their first win of the season this last weekend. Um, they drew the first game 2-2 against Fulham and then went on to beat Aston Villa 3-1. Goals came from DJ Buffon's Angel Gomez and Nishan Burkhardt. Tee Strong played a part in the in the first goal with DJ Buffon's and, and looked good. Buffon's also looking impressive and that, that side is looking very good now. Um, and United under 23s were relegated last season to Division 2 of the Premier League 2. A lot of the, the reason for that was because the side was so imbalanced because a lack of strikers, a lack of players in certain positions or at, at fullback. And United didn't promote players from the under 18s that they could have done. And I think long term that will 
benefit the the players' development because they did get a full under-18s year before coming up and have progressed at, at the right rate, even though it means United have been relegated. Meanwhile, the new under the new generation of under-18s look uh, very good. They managed an impressive victory away from home against Liverpool on Saturday morning, uh, leaving 3-1 victors thanks to goals from Dishon Bernard, Mason Greenwood and Jimmy Garner. Tight first half, Liverpool kind of dominated, but United took the lead straight after half-time then doubled it. Liverpool got one back, saw a player sent off and, and then Garner scored a penalty and added time to, to secure the win. But really impressive win away from home at Liverpool and, and a very good win. Uh, United starting the under-18 Premier League well, looking to defend the under-18 Premier League North title. Both United under-18s and under-23s play on Friday night. We're recording this on Friday, so by the time you listen to this, they probably would have played again. Um, for results of those games, uh, check out at Academy Man UTD, Man United on Twitter, uh, for, for results and information on that. In loan news, Axel Twanzebe started and played 83 minutes at right back in Aston Villa's dramatic 2-2 draw against Brentford midweek. Kieran O'Hara made his debut for Macclesfield Town in midweek in a 1-1 draw at home to Cheltenham Town. And there was plenty of action at the weekend as well. Timothy Fossimenza playing the full game at right back for Fulham in their 3-1 defeat to Tottenham Hotspur. Twanzeba played uh, against Ipswich Town at right back. He came off at around 65 minutes, so he's yet to play a full game at right back, I think, in the Championship. But he has got his own chant at Villa Park now. If you if you want to see that, look it up on Twitter. It's a good one. And Dean Henderson playing for Sheffield United against Norwich City in a 2-1 win, only faced two shots on target. And Cameron Borthwick-Jackson wasn't in the matchday squad for Scunthorpe United against Sunderland, which I'm not sure why the reason he might have picked up a knock, but hopefully he gets some games very soon because he needs some and he needs a full season of football after a few disappointing loan moves. Same is true for James Wilson at Aberdeen. Wasn't in the squad yet, should be soon, but Wilson's Aberdeen side did thrash St Mirren 4-0 and Matty Willock was on the end of that playing for St Mirren in midfield, playing the full game. Right, Tottenham on Monday night. Another another big rest for United from Sunday to Monday. We had Friday to Sunday uh, the week before. And I saw a good piece. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, actually, but it, it, it kind of summed up what I was saying before anyway, in that the perf- you, you, if you gave Marino a way to get back to winning ways, it would be him needing to grind out a 1-0 victory for his team. And a big game against Spurs at Old Trafford kind of presents the perfect opportunity for him to do what he does best and grind out a 1-0 win. And you'd you think he would do it. And to, for, for people who say, no, oh, it's a negative way to look at it, it's it's what the best managers would do. It, if you remember, um, the, the person who's writing this, I can't remember who it was, I'll try to find out and tweet it, but I was saying that Fergie always had his solution of after a big defeat, getting back to basics, after the 6-1 defeat to City, um, it could have been the, the kind of tipping point, the kind of Wenger-esque 6-1 defeats, your biggest rivals, you're on the wane. But instead, United went back to basics and went to went to defensive mode and won four of the next five games 1-0 and drew the other 1-1. And that is, that is a Mourinho speciality and that is what you'll hope he'll do against Spurs is go back to basics, get the win and then carry on from there and very, very gradually build momentum. Because obviously we hoped for a big start to the season so we, we could challenge City. But what we now need, having had a poor performance and a terrible performance and result, is a run of solid games rather than anything spectacular to just slowly build confidence up and get some confidence in the United side, which is, is lacking it extraordinarily. You can see that in all the players because their ability is not matching the, their confidence at the moment. Yeah, it's exactly what we need. Going back to basics is exactly right. You put it, you put it just right how all we need to do is focus on the very fundamentals of, of our game we need to focus on 
defending a lot better as a unit because even though it was individual mistakes against Brighton our, our defending as a as a team and as a unit both the midfield and the defence was, wasn't good enough we need to f- get back to actually figuring out what the basics of our attack is first and foremost I think is the most important thing but you are right this this does seem to present Mourinho with exactly the type of game that he would want in this situation the kind of game where he can play his sort of typical Mourinho masterclass kind of football and where he can sort of be almost arch antagonist to Spurs and grind out that 1-0 win that we hope he can bring home. I think that would go some way to getting the fans back on side because it is still a big game and it would still be an important win at the start of the season. If we were to actually grind out a 1-0 win, I think a lot of the fans would still be very angry based on the style of play. But at the end of the day, results are what matters at this stage. And especially on the back of such a bad result against Brighton, getting three points is the most important thing at the moment. And that's all we need from the Spurs game. Yeah, three points and and a performance which isn't abysmal. But even then, getting three points at that stage would would have Mourinho happy, you would think. Yeah. Are you predicting a one nil win then? In fact you went you went first last week, I think, in our in our predictions league. So I'll, I'll say yeah. one nil United win being positive, which generally seems to go badly if we're if we're positive we, we end up losing. But anyway, I'll <laughs> say one nil United win and Romelu Lukaku to score. Although I was tempted by Alexis Sanchez again. Just fearing that he has a niggle, I'm not going to say it again because last time I said I backed him to score and then he wasn't in the squad. So one nil and Lukaku to score. Okay, okay. I think the, the the positivity thing works not just with the prediction league. I I was saying this before the game as well. Any time the lineup comes out and everyone's happy with it, we seem to play badly, and it happened again against Brighton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit less positive. Unfortunately, I'm gonna go for one all draw, and I'll go with Lingard to score. Um, and also just to, just to update that's also a risk I don't know if Lingard's going to play but Lingard always seems to turn up in big games but just for to update everyone on last week obviously both our predictions were massively wrong <laughs> uh, having both predicted United to win but I did manage to score one jammy point for yeah. Lukaku getting on the score sheet so I'm currently winning 1-0 but that's a pretty hollow victory yeah, I think counts no one looks at the, at the way the goal scored at the end of the season <laughs> Now, that's all we have time for on Series 4, Episode 4 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. Sorry for the, the, the weird nature of it, with Jack on it for almost all of it, but some of my, my droney voice for some good parts of it, particularly about Woodward and Rayola. Um, I've, I saw a good tweet that kind of sums up our feelings at the moment from Andy Tomo, regular United fan match going red, um, who tweeted, I hate this team, but love my club and mates. So I'll leave you with that. If you want more from us, you can find me on Twitter at at HarryRomerson64. You can find Jack on Twitter at at UTDTates, that's T-A-I-T. And you can find the podcast at at UTD Weekly Pod. that's P-O-D at the end there. Thank you as always for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy the game on Monday. Goodbye.
Social Podcast Network.